Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other one is just along for the ride. Tyler, say what's up. What's up? We are, we're fighting through the odds today. <laughs> we are. We have a window. We have a day. We're doing it. So you're probably listening to this two weeks, maybe three weeks. Who knows? Maybe six weeks later. Uh, but we just got <laughs> done recording our Road to Blake Street pod with your mom's favorite player as an interview. And you would have heard me cutting out halfway through that. Uh, my power went out. I am one of three spots in the entire city. Uh, it's a big city. It's not like a 200 person city that just lost its power. So we are grinding through this. We've got the hotspots on. We got the laptop up. We are doing what we can for you because the three of you definitely care. And just <laughs> take, and just recognize that, please. Come on, it's four. <laughs> there is four. Yeah, your mom, my mom, Lewis's mom, Noah's mom. So we got a few moms out there. Uh, but we're here, traditional Blake Street banter. We did the road to Blake Street. You know, we got you later going into the season. Uh, but traditional Blake Street, we got free agents. We got rule five. We have fan questions. We have just a plethora of things to talk about. And all the other things like the predictions, the season recaps, go listen to our, our boys and our girls, Susie and Pat um, on the DNVR pod. Go listen to Evan and Skyler who do a fantastic job on the Fetted by Altitude. Rockies now just released kind of their end of the season pod over there. So you have outlets, probably better than us, to go get that stuff. But we're coming with the hard stuff for you right now. So trying to do things a little bit different how we do at Blake Street Banter. Um, so free agent talk, rule five talk, and fan questions. So go listen to those pods, but then make sure you come back to us. Unsubscribe, resubscribe, re-download, download again. Do whatever you need to to get our numbers up, please. <laughs> and just let us continue <laughs> to give you fun stuff. Again, nobody does what we do. Uh, and I mean that in the kindest way possible. So free agents. Let's talk free agents. Let's talk big money. 40-man roster is kind of getting settled in with the releases. And we could talk about releases for 10 minutes, but we're on a tight deadline. Uh, we'll talk about that for sure. Get your thoughts on that, Tyler. Headed to free agency. You got three names on this list. I think that's pretty clear with where we're at with all the DFAs that we have. But uh, Chase Anderson, Brett Suter, and Chris Flexen. Do any of them resign? Do any of them come back to... Any of them get the Jose Urania treatment and get a, a quick extension. <laughs> uh, what are we doing with these three guys, and how does that kind of play out, you think, going forward? It's it's kind of tricky with at least the two starters, with Anderson and Flexen. You've got to think they, they're they interested. The Rockies are like, we absolutely need guys. Um, the back of the rotation is wide open, especially the depth, like six and seven in the rotation right now. Um, those are, are up for grabs too. So someone like Chase Anderson, Chris Flexen could fit. I don't think both would come back. So it, it kind of comes down to like a one or the other. Um, who would who would I rather have? And, and I'll turn it over to you. Who would who you'd rather have of the two? I'm, I think I'd probably take Chase Anderson just for some – I think he's a little more stable. I don't know if he's giving you uh, anything special, but you know – over the, over the span of half a season, he's going to give you like 80 innings of five ERA ball, which doesn't sound good, but that can keep a team afloat and maybe like five and a half ERA. Chris Flexen had a lot of down moments this year where it was like, eh. So I'd probably take Chase Anderson over Flexen. I don't know how, how you're feeling about that. I'm kind of feeling the same way and trying to do the math real quick. 81 over 17 uh equals 
for five innings. So Chris Flexen went a little bit deeper on average than Chase Anderson on games, just from innings pitch divided by game started, which is kind of what you're looking for from uh, a group of guys from a relief fifth re- veteran starter type. And I, I heard Evan and Skyler talking about this with K Dub on their pod, uh, affected by altitude pod. And I don't know. I don't know where I stand on inning eaters in a rebuild. Do you, do you need that? Do you want that? Like, and we saw it this year and this is just going off the rails again. Like we saw it this year with Noah Davis and Carl Kaufman. Like they were the six, six, seven guys. And the Rockies kind of played it touch and feel, touch and go, kind of training wheels esque, so to speak. Granted, there were some injuries with Noah, um, Carl, Carl with some adjustments needed to be made. And so you get these veterans who can just come in and eat innings. And I guess that's kind of the appeal of it. But I don't like that. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I'd much rather give me a, a bullpen guy game, like, give me a tie block, go a six man rotation. Do, I just don't understand the idea of bringing one guy in to eat up a hundred innings when you have, we have Case Williams, we have um, Joe Rock, we have Noah, we have Carl, we have Criswell who is can make it. Yeah. We have Valdez who was making starts down in AAA and was doing pretty well. Who could have easily eight innings? Like you have all these options. Like, like why not do that with pitching? Like we did with the 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 bats like where we brought in uh, who who played with us for a little bit then got cut like after a few and uh, there was a few bats that came in like, like Cole tucker's one cold tucker like you're gonna play cut um coco montez to an extent like we're just gonna play you and then we're gonna cut you and then if you go back down to the minor leagues great like why can't we do that with pitching for like two or three starts and with our guys i don't know it's kind of me rambling, but I don't know how I feel about any needers. But to answer your question, I think Chase Anderson's the better option. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I and and that's why I would absolutely not advocate for both because then you have like two innings eaters. I think that having having veteran guys like that is is kind of essential actually, just to keep keep things on the rails. Um, you know, if if you have young starters and you have a really bad week where they give you like two or three innings each, then your bullpen is screwed and there's confidence issues at play. So I think having a, having a veteran who can go like Chase Anderson, maybe give you a hundred, hundred bad innings, but not a hundred horrible innings. Uh, you know, he also brings a ton of knowledge to, to the organization. He's pitched for like six different teams. He's like 37. I think he's in his, he's in his later thirties. So I like the veteran leadership aspect of it, like help guide some of these young guys. And then also the, the other nice thing about veterans, and we saw it with Jose Urania, you can cut those guys a lot easier if they're not up if they're not playing up to par you can just completely get rid of them when it comes to your young pitchers you want to be a little bit more treat them a little more like they're fragile um you can't i mean you can option them pretty easily but 40 man spots are a different story so someone like chase anderson you could give him you know the months of april and may and if he's not doing well then he's gone anyway so i like that there's no attachment to them really um you know, sorry to them. It's kind of sad to live like, you know, in the big leagues like that, knowing you could be gone uh, at any moment. But them just providing stability, I think, is really important. So I, I'd like to see Anderson back like one year, two million dollars. Uh, just someone that, you know, is going to at least give you like acceptable innings. Yeah. 
And I, I think you're right. I think just the acceptable innings, the easy to cut pieces, kind of a big deal. It's, I don't know. It's just always, it was just on my brain. I just heard it. It's just, yeah, I think no, you make true. a valid point. It's just, if you're in a rebuild, why not go see what you have and why not play around? Why not have like Noah Davis in the long relief and Carl Kaufman as a starting pitching, just kind of rotate them around their fifth starter, fifth start or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I think there's some, there can be some, fun things that could be done with that. That's something untraditional that could be, could be for kind of fun. Cause I much rather see Carl Kaufman and Noah Davis getting a combined 30 starts compared to chase Anderson and Chris Flexen getting combined 30 starts. Like give me those innings, having them work through it. But we also saw each of them not being able to go fives that they were going three, four innings rather than five or six where chase Anderson, and Chris Flexen, you are getting five, six bullpen depth, health, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then who's the other guy? Brent Suter. I think they bring him back. And I don't think I would be mad if they brought Suter back, the Velociraptor himself. He was a nice left, left-handed left arm option. He was good. He understood how to pitch at Colorado. He was he was a good, stable arm going through. And he becomes a trade piece uh, in, at July where they could actually trade him this year, uh, this time. It, it's almost weird. Like if they didn't trade him in July, they probably have plans to have those conversations to ex- bring him back, but they haven't yet. So that's kind of weird how that would work. Cause I'm sure somebody could have used them in July at that. Deadline. Yeah, he, I think he, I think that almost speaks to them what their intention is that they didn't right? trade him. You know, we've seen it with, with John Gray. They thought they could resign John Gray and they didn't. And that could easily happen here. I, I'm sure that the reason an extension has not happened is because, Shooter and his representation want to just see can is someone can give us like a lot of money, right? Otherwise, I think the Rockies are going to be right there trying to talk to him, say, Hey, like a one in one deal, like let's do a one year contract with an option or something like that, so that we can we have a chance of, of having you in two years and it gives you a little bit more guaranteed money. When you think about it, he was the second, third best reliever on this team last year. You know, some he was somewhere in that. There was Jake Bird, Justin Lawrence, and Brent Suter. That was one of the best trios in the in the bullpen the Rockies have had in mm-hmm. a long time. And it was sad to see the wheels come off at the end of the season. Like Lawrence was blowing saves left and right. Jake Bird was just gassed. I mean, he pitched eighty nine innings. Jake Bird, like, and then but Brent Suter kind of stayed consistent the entire time. And I think for that reason, he almost deserves a little bit more cred for what he did. He very consistent the entire year. Of course, all those guys started insanely well. And I think that's another reason you got to try and, and get that rotation a little bit stronger because that bullpen was one of actually the best in baseball early in the season. And things really tailed off because they were having to pick up way too many innings. Yeah, that's not something but, that's going to lead to success. I mean, like to what you're saying, that he was consistent the entire way. Three, four, four, uh, ERA. Nope, we're. There we go. 338 ERA. Very similar numbers to what he had in Milwaukee. In 2022, he had an ERA of 378. And then 2021, three ERA. His whip was actually down for Colorado compared to his time in Milwaukee. Uh, his home run rate was down with his time in Colorado. And so maybe this is the summarization. 150 plus ERA plus compared to 107 and a 135 and a 146 in Milwaukee. So like he's good and you don't find a lot of good relief arms that can pitch in Colorado. Like go back to Adam Adovino, letting Adam Adovino walk was 
absolutely insane back in the day because he was good at pitching in Colorado yeah. and they just let him go. And so you kind of have this, you have a, you have a guy who can figure it out. So why not bring him back for that time? Uh, kind of like you said, eating the arms of these young guys. Like we said on the last pod, you have Victor Vodnik, you have Ev- Evan justice, you have Gavin Hollowell who are all going to make impacts at that major league level. How do we make sure we don't Greg bird and Justin Lawrence it with those guys? How can we, add some arms, add some innings in that time as they try to figure it out. Bring him back. Well, I think also the the fact that Suter's left-handed too. You yeah. know, Lucas Gilbreth is coming back. He has shown some promise in the past. Otherwise, you're basically counting on Evan Justice and, and Evan Justice alone. I don't think that there is another lefty that you can count on in this bullpen. And, and that's another reason that clearly they want to bring him back. So, I, I hope he, of, of all the three free agents, I really do hope he's back. He can be your third or fourth best reliever. He can be maybe your best left-handed reliever, and there's a lot of value in that. I know we don't like spending money on bullpens. We've seen that happen. Those were the, the dark that, – that's what led to the dark days of the Rockies, frankly. Right. Um, but spending $6 million on a reliever in a season is not the end of the world. And the Rockies did it with kind of Brad Hand, but Pierce Johnson got a semi-decent contract for – Pierce Johnson's interests and it turned out well for the Rockies. He didn't pitch great, but he was a good pitcher and the Rockies got a pretty quality return for him. So spending little bit on little bits on the bullpen is, is something you can do. So hoping to see Suter back would, would be very open to Chase Anderson coming back too. Yeah, I could Brad hand. I could see also being signed back again. I think he liked his time in Colorado and that lefty piece coming in. I could, Pierce Johnson could probably be signed again too. Just the Colorado <laughs> connection. I think he liked his time here too. So it could be wild. We could just run it back in a different way and just trade him again and just repeat the process and just continue to fill the the, the prospects with new arms from these franchises. It's going to be interesting how they kind of build the build the rotation and the arm barn going forward. Like there are a lot of good pieces, but how do we support them going forward with it? Because it's gonna be it's gonna be a crapshoot in April, like with who's where, who's doing what. Because I think the offense is pretty set. You pretty pretty much know barring any injuries, you kind of know what's going to be there, minus an outfield spot. I'm curious, maybe again, not on a rundown, but like Michael Tolio and Hilarious Montero, like they're kind of playing for their lives, so to speak, um, in a less dramatic way right now. Like playing for their lives. Like, what do they do with them? Like Montero had a great end of the season, but was that enough of a sample size to prove to the front office that he should stick around and play first along with KB? Uh, you got Hunter Goodman. Who's also in there. Tolia struggled mightily throughout the whole season. Is there enough there to see what he has and bring him back? Or do we see one of those cuts that we're going to, they're going to have to decide to make. Uh, but beyond that, I think everything's pretty straightforward about who's the starter at each position minus left field. I think it's pretty clear. It's going to be interesting what they do. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, if I did my math correctly, I kind of tried to, to hustle this. Right now, I think there's 34 guys on the 40 man. That does not include, you're going to have those three free agents. So basically, 31 guys. There's four coming back from injury. So you, you have five spots to play with, which will be interesting. And that's where you might find some, some wiggle room with your left field position. Like maybe someone gets added to the 40 man whether that's before the rule five or that's a free agent that they also bring in. So 
there's there's at least some flexibility being being built into to the roster. Um, but yeah. I think that's a good segue into into this rule five that the Rockies is, again have basically five spots to work with. That includes the free agents. It includes the guys on the sixty day injured list who are coming back. So the rule five they have five spots. Are they going to protect five guys? Probably not. But who can they protect? And this is something I was I was kind of confused about this even until like a, a month ago. I really wanted to make sure I figured it out. So just to be clear for everybody, any international player or high school draft pick who signed in 2019, they are going to be Rule 5 eligible. Um, any college player from the 2020 draft will be Rule 5 eligible. Um, and of course, anything before them. So there's a fair amount of names in the mix to, to be added. It's and the rule five is so like I've been doing this three years, four years with you. <laughs> it seems like there's always a question mark in there. It's there are some names on this list, too, that. All right. Do are they major league ready? What did the Rockies see in them? Like there was a few surprises last year, like they didn't save them like or whatever put them on their 40 man roster so somebody else going to pick them up and then nobody else picked up the guys that we were kind of worried about so that was kind of interesting kind of going forward i'm looking at the 2022 before we get all up in it the 2022 rule five draft results by the major league phase do you remember this name the rockies chose kevin kelly from the cleveland guardians yeah i i remember it well because i was excited that they actually the, the rule five seems like a great opportunity for them to find talent and then they traded him on that draft day to the Tampa oh, Bay Rays. That's and why. That's why I don't remember. Yep. Fast forward a full season, Kevin Kelly with the Tampa Bay Rays with a 309 ERA <laughs> in 67 innings. He looked really good when he was picked, and he turned out to be just as good, if not better, than expected. So the Rule 5 draft, you absolutely can find good players. Um, it's a whole, like, basically political game more like a chess game if you think of like how game of thrones is like a chess game you have to think about where you can give and where you can take like who who are you like if they did take this guy like we you know good on them they're not it's not gonna work out blah blah blah. uh but it's it's definitely a fun time and the rockies i think have two guys sort of in that mold but i don't really think that the rockies are gonna even consider playing around and that's yeah adel amador and yankel fernandez are both rule five eligible because they came in that 2019 signing period. And I think this is one of the first rule five drafts to have problems with like fans should, fans and players, everyone should have problems with it because these guys sign in 2019. A lot of the international signings don't play in the year they're signing. So, but that year counts 2019 counts 2020. They didn't play. Then there's 2021 2022 and you just played 2023 i'm trying to find my hand on the screen <laughs> that's five years since 2019 five seasons since they signed and that's why they're rule five eligible just so that i think yeah i that that's a whole picture that has not been clear to me for a long time but amador and fernandez two of the rockies top five prospects by basically any account are rule five eligible they both touch double a you're not going to leave guys unprotected who played at double a and who are top prospects so yeah, just starting starting this conversation off, those two guys will for sure be added to the Rockies' forty men. Not that that doesn't mean that they're going to be you know right away on the radar for for the MLB roster, uh, but we know both of them will, will get there eventually. But I mean, Yankee Fernandez does kind of spice up that that left field consideration 
given that now you can just bring him up any time that, that is suitable for, for the team. And he's there. Yeah, right. Like right to that point, like, Amador and Yankiel are very similar in vain to Warmy Bernabel and Julio Carreras last year. They were two top prospects. They were added to the 40-man roster uh, before the Rule 5 eligible in 2022, which Julio was a surprising one, but I think it was the whole protecting piece. Like, all right, you are part of that future. Kind of like we said on the last pod about, is he the ultimate utility man coming in 2024 instead of maybe a Trejo type person? Uh, so it's very similar in that vein. Like, would either one of them get picks? Possibly. Uh I don't know if necessarily they get picked, but it's more, I think this is more also of an opportunity. Correct me if I'm wrong, or if you think differently of the organization showing that they believe in you to be part of their future. Like, Hey, you are eligible to leave us, but we are going to sign you. We do have plans for you to be here. Uh, and so that's why we're going to add you to the 40 men. Cause I mean, Julio and warming great guys, great players, but they weren't anywhere near major league ready. Like they might not be ready until 2025 but they were added to that 40 man roster coming in. Um, and if you look at the major league rule five history, again, just 2022, only 14 players were selected of the 30 teams. And every single one of them was a pitcher except for two. There was one outfielder taken and one first baseman taken in those of those 14. So the chances of some of these guys getting picked are very, very slim. Um, but it's possible. I mean, go to Detroit Tigers and finding a gym in Akil Badu. He was a rule five guy and he's like the one position player I've seen be successful. Like in my knowledge uh, from that position being on a major league roster and actually playing it out. So I think it's more of the, I don't think this guy will be major league ready this year, but I do believe it's all right. We believe in you that we're going to sign you and we want you to be part of this program going forward. Because like yeah, Victor Juarez exactly. is, is eligible, but like, do you find time room for him? But he's only twenty years old, so like he has some time. I don't know. I think there's a there's part of that that goes into it because you think of all the guys who were eligible last year that didn't get picked, and that did have to kind of send a message to them, like you know, almost a wake up call. Like I have to figure something out because clearly I'm not I'm not. I, I think a 40 man ad would be like penciling yourself into the future. It doesn't mean you're going to be part of the right. future, but it's getting you a step closer. And for guys like Grant Levine and Aaron Schunk, who are again, going to be eligible for the, now for the second time, um, you know, they have a chance to get protected, but it, it absolutely does send that message of like who, who we really want. Um, but I will say with, with Adel Amador and, and Yankeel Fernandez, I think a big reason you don't see so many position players taken is that teams will always protect like, you know, top 100 prospects who are rule five eligible teams yeah. would snatch them up. You know, they would bury them on the depth chart just so they can, you know, kind of, if they could keep them on the roster for the full year, then boom, they've just acquired a guy who was a top 100 talent. I think you just don't see those guys available to be picked very often. And That's Amador, valid. you could make a very strong case. He could play on a big league roster, you know, anytime. Uh, would he be successful? Not necessarily, you know, he, he does need a little more time in the minors, but I think both those guys would get taken. So it's, it is sort of like reaffirming like, Hey, you're part of the future. But in some cases it is like a pure, um, 
procedural move like we we have to cover our our asses so that yeah. we are not getting screwed someone like victor juarez though i think there's little to no chance he's taken but i did want to include him in the list that since he was part of that class as well yeah and he's a good arm to have and that that that, that was that's a good point that you just made i didn't can't say i thought about that it makes sense the that makes sense like if, yeah if you could steal a top 100 prospect for like free <laughs> and just to have him yeah. on the bench for an entire like why if you're the pittsburgh pirates or the colorado rockies even like why aren't you doing that so that would that does make sense i like that i like that argument um again the rule five you mentioned it there um you have to be on that major league roster barring any injuries for an entire year uh otherwise you go back to your home club so the Rockies had Jordan Sheffield. That was probably the last major league relevant guy they did. He was a rule five so. guy in 2021. Something like that. 21. <laughs> I think 20 it was 21. 21. I think it was 21. He did really good. Then he got injured. And then he played for a little bit in 2022. And then they cut him. Uh, so like the, it is there. That is an option. So they have to be there that whole year. Otherwise they go back. Uh, so, and then some other names on this list, you mentioned Grant Levine, Aaron Shunk could, could be saved. Like Aaron Shunk is knocking on the door. He should be like next um, up in line to be on the, on the major league roster. But then you have these guys, the college players from the 2020 draft uh, pitchers like Chris McMahon, Sam Weatherly, Jack Blomgren. Um, and then I think more importantly is these guys, these that we acquired at the deadline uh, last year, who are some names that we have to consider. Again, I don't think they get picked in the MLB five rule five, but do you see them adding any one of these guys? Uh Tanner Gordon, Alec Barger, or Vince Goyak? I think I think Tanner Gordon stands out as one that, you know, I, maybe he doesn't get taken, but he's he's on that fringe where teams would say, Okay, this is one of the twenty to thirty, maybe forty best guys available, and that yeah. is gonna at least get you in consideration to be taken. He pitched pretty well in AAA, which which kind of speaks further to like, you know, a team that wants to just add some talent to their pitching staff might might take Gordon. They might say, hey, we're going to use you as a reliever, which kind of helps if you're a team that takes someone in the Rule 5 draft. Using them as a reliever, you're going to keep them far more often than not. Um, you know, taking a starter and using them as a starter, that's, that's a tough uh, – the odds there are not great. When it comes to Alec Barger um, – you know, he's looked good in the fall league. I kind of doubt he gets protected, although the Rockies almost always do add some of these these relief guys to their 40 men, even if they don't really have to. Like, yeah, I, I don't think he would get taken unless he is piping 98 in the fall league. Uh, and then Connor Van Skoyak, I I don't think he'll get taken unless, again, same with him. Some some team saw him in double A and was like, hey, this guy is throwing 95, 97. He's big. He's got a great breaking ball. Like, we think there's something there. Um, Tanner Gordon, though, I think is the third name I would really be watching to be added to the 40 men. It kind of goes to like, they, they asked for these guys in trades and, and Alec Barger sort of is, it goes, you know, contrary to this, they added guys they knew were going to be rule five eligible. That almost signals like barring unforeseen circumstances, they want to try and add these guys. And Alec Barger is, you know, that 11 plus ERA and double A, uh, kind of hanging on his reputation right now. So I, I don't think he'll get taken, but Tanner Gordon, I, I think maybe would get taken in the rule five draft. And that maybe is really strong enough to say we need to protect this guy. So I'm thinking those are the main three that get protected Amador Fernandez and Gordon, but 
Levine and Schunk are, are shaping up to be those perfect candidates mm-hmm. where a team is like, you know, this could be Schunk could be our backup third baseman, second baseman type of guy. Levine could be our backup first baseman. And we gamble on the upside that these young players can become, um, you know, pieces of our team. So wouldn't wouldn't shock me if a Grant Levine or an Aaron Schunk was also added. But just the nature of this, if a guy was already eligible once, he probably has to have done extremely well, like in the past season, to to really warrant protection. Um, so it might just be three guys added to the forty man, but there's other candidates for sure. Yeah, I think I'm gonna agree with after all that conversation. I think I agree with those three. T- Tanner Gordon, he he could be that kind of Jeff Criswell, Tanner Gordon are next in line. We didn't really talk about him last pod, but like he could be number eight, number nine on the starting rotation depth chart. With there, he made six starts in Albuquerque. Wasn't terrible by Albuquerque standards. A four-three-one ERA with a one-four WHIP, which is in six starts, which is respectable in that league. So he might be knocking on the door. Like, right? You have Carl, Noah, Joe Rock. I'm putting Joe Rock there, and then maybe Tanner Gordon. It might be as that that kind of next guy up. So saving him and seeing what he has. There, there's a reason they traded for him. So I like that. I like that analysis. And then there's the minor league rule five that happens right after it, which pretty much every team takes advantage of it. I think there's, you keep going until you choose not to like the yeah. Phillies filled up their, their farm system last year. Cause they had to cut ties with a bunch of their, cause they traded for a bunch to make their playoff push last year. They added seven guys to their minor league roster last year through the MILB rule five. The Rockies took uh, Eli Lingos, which we didn't see much of. I think he was dealing with an injury most of the year. And then in the round two, they took Nick Kushia, uh, who was the real closer for the Hartford Yard Goats. And I think they might have got a future arm barn piece for a few seasons uh, in him. So I don't know what those rules are. The minor league rule five is super complicated. And I remember last year when I tried to find out how that was broken down, I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. Uh, but there is another section of it. That's what we lost. We lost one guy in that I think sense. Two. There was Isaac Collins for sure. He was the second yep. base. I think he was in Hartford the he previous year. Yeah. I'm not sure if there actually was a second. It might have just been him last. Oh no, Mateo Gill, who was part of the the Nolan Arnado trade, was yep. taken he by went the to Mets. The, went to the Mets. Yep, that's right. Uh, but yeah, this is a, it's a weird part of the draft because I think there's a. There's a split between what's public knowledge. I think there's a player pool that teams specify that doesn't get publicized as far as I'm concerned. Like there is a triple A, I think there's 40 guys or something that they put on their triple A roster. And if those players are not on there and they've accumulated enough time in the minors, those are the players who are eligible. And I think, yeah, year after year, it's it's a really good way for teams to find quality time. And Nick Kuzia He's going to stick around another year. Eli Lingos was actually, he was released last week or two weeks ago. Um, just didn't take any steps forward. He pitched with Albuquerque a fair amount. I think he was mostly like 89 to 90. And uh, I, I don't know if the Rockies saw enough to, to think he's part of the future. Mm-hmm. But Nick Kuzia, he's going to be around at least another year. So uh, that's a that's a fun part. We're going to yeah spend some time with that once once those results come in. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fun time. Yeah, we were trying to figure out the timeline a while ago, but like mid-November is when all the rosters kind of have to be set, and then you kind of get the list for the Rule 5, and then I'm pretty sure Rule 5 happens like right before Christmas time. 
the actual draft. I can't find the date they're going to do it here. Is it during the winter meetings? Maybe. I think. Well, know. I think based on December seventh 20... was when it was released last yeah, year. The article. Year. So. So I'm guessing it's about the same, and I forget when the winter meetings are exactly. Um, I know what happens in 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 about two weeks is they're the general manager meetings, which is just kind of the preface, I guess, of the winter meetings. So I think that's sort of in preparation for all these, you know, picking who's on your 40 men and stuff. The, all the executives are going to get together and talk, you know, potential trades and stuff. So it all it all starts to get going the second the World Series is up. Um, yep. So we so we've got a lot. The date winter winter meetings happen December fourth through the seventh in Nashville this year. So and, and then, yeah, according to that timeline, so I, the rule five I think happens during the winter meeting. So that early part of December is when that rule five will hit. So we'll we'll definitely be following it. We'll definitely be covering it. Um, so we'll let we'll let you all know. We'll do we'll do our thing. Um, you got time for a few fan questions? Oh, that's yeah. Let's let's get into that. <laughs> yeah, again, time, quite quick time crunch. My laptop is at twenty eight percent. Tyler's <laughs> got some adult things to go do, so we're gonna get this in. We asked for your questions. We're gonna do it. So next year's bullpen predictions um, from friend of the pod, right, Skyler? I, you definitely did more research in this stuff, and you're definitely the expert. I'm just kind of hanging around. I think I'm gonna give my little bit, and you you can give yours. I think speaking from the prospect who's like next up in line, I think you're going Victor Vodnik. I think he, he makes the opening day roster. Um, I would love for them to lean into Gavin Hollowell a little bit more. I don't know if they've really quite given him the shot that I think he deserves. He just consistently be in there. And then Evan justice is also going to be part of this, this bullpen. Yeah, I think I definitely agree on justice because of that, that left-handed quality. And, and uh, kind of the predicament that I stumbled into um, with these young guys, you have Vodnik, you have Justice, and Hollowell. And and I don't know if all three of them, and Justice, again, gets a little bit of an edge since he's left-handed. I don't know if all three can make the roster. You, For me, the guys I listed out, to, to kind of answer your question directly, Skyler, Justin Lawrence, Jake Bird are locks, of course. I think Tyler Kinley, of course, is, is a lock as well. I mean, there's some interesting stuff there since he's a veteran didn't have a great year, but obviously was coming back from like a serious arm injury. I don't think it was Tommy John that gets talked about. I don't think he had Tommy John surgery. I think I think I saw a lot of people tweeting about that. But uh, Victor Vodnik, I think, is going to make the roster as well. He actually, you look under the surface of his performance last year, it was really good. A lot of strikeouts, not many walks. It just was a lot of hits, which sometimes is out of the control of the pitcher. Like all they can do is execute the pitch. They can't control when a guy barely gets his bat on the ball and, and there's a bloop single or something like that. So I think he actually performed well last year, did what he had to do to, to really cement himself um, on this roster, assuming he does okay in spring. Then Evan Justice, Lucas Gilbreth is a bit of a thing. We mentioned him a little bit earlier. That's kind of a question mark because he is coming yeah. off Tommy John. That might not be a opening day on the roster kind of guy. You just never – everyone's a little different with Tommy John. Um, I think it's been – it'll be about a year in spring training. I think he had it in spring training last year. Um, so he's maybe on the roster. Nick Mears, I think, is a lock also. Uh, well, I, I guess lock. I'm using a little too flexibly. I think Nick Mears has a has a really good shot to make the opening day roster. And then Gavin Hollowell would be that eighth guy for me. And I'm saying all this with in mind. I just think something is going to happen with Daniel Bard. 
that is not let's go about business as usual. We know his his history. We know what happened this year. We also know he is an extremely valuable person in the bullpen, in the clubhouse. Uh, he has coached for, for several years. He took time off and coached. Um, I would love to see him transition back into a role like that. Um, I, you know, he, he still has the arm talent. He's still pumping 95 to 98, but just, I, I almost hope for his sake, because mentally it seems like a lot to be going through when you've mm. already had this history, you're, you're working on unstable ground. Um, I, I almost am hoping that, and I want to, I, I would love to see him come back and pitch well next season, but I'm almost hoping that something unorthodox happens with him and that he's not um, in the opening day bullpen next year. Although if he plays and everything, he's kind of a lock just for his contract status. So that's sort of what I'm thinking. That doesn't include Brent Suter either. Don't want to assume he resigns. Uh, if he does, then then that might push Evan Justice to AAA. You know, Lucas Gilbreth, if he's healthy, has the the inside track over Evan Justice. And Brent Suter gives you that second lefty. So there's a lot to work with. Um, but those names, I'll run them off again. Lawrence Bird, Kinley Vodnik, Justice Gilbreth, Mears, and Hollowell. It's kind of my best best guess at it right now. Uh, the Bard thing is kind of being a little bold um, going outside the box. But it just seems like it's in the best interest of everyone um, to have, have that decision made. Yeah, it's going to be interesting what they do with Bard. I I was kind of thinking the similar similar thing as you. Just what do they do with them? Uh, next question from Nolan NMR thirteen twelve. Concerned of with lack of power. Think it will improve. Yes, and yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I talked a little bit about last pod with my prospects, my top five prospects. Two of those three are big power bats. I think they're going to be coming up. I think you get a lot of power from Hunter Goodman. And I didn't, I did not say those names on purpose because I need you to go back and listen. Um, <laughs> I, Hunter Goodman brings some pop. Uh, Chris Bryant, whatever. Um, but you got Nolan Jones, who's going to give you 20, 30. You have Ryan McMahon, who's going to give you a solid 20, 30. And then you're kind of at a loss. You got 10, 15 spread out there. Sean Bouchard, healthy, might get 20. But then you have those guys coming up. I think there's a lot of power coming up that's knocking on the door that will be nice to have. Do we get a full season of Elias Montero? Because you know Dude Man's going to hit 30 bombs easily too. I just The Rockies just kind of need to lean into letting these young guys develop and do their thing because when Montero hit the ball, he, he mashed the ball. So like let him hit the ball and let him get you 30, 35 deep. And it's it's what wins playoff games. It's what wins playoff series. Like Carl Schwarber hit under 200, had 40 singles, but had 45 home uh, home runs on the season. He's doing the same thing in the playoffs, and this is exactly what's winning them games. I think you need to find that power. You can't – and you look at the other two teams. Like, you got the Rangers and the Astros. They're power, power, power. Diamondbacks are struggling a little bit. They don't have that power as much, as, as frequently as you do with those other lineups. So I think there is some success in that. And the Rockies not having that right now does worry me some, but there is some big power bats coming up through the system. We won't see it in 24, I don't think, but 25, 26, I think we'll start seeing the uptick in bombs a little bit more. Yeah, like I think those guys are there, but as we've seen with a lot of these these higher-end prospects, like it takes a little bit of time to really get settled. I mean, for Montero, potentially it took him 
a year and like a little over a year to get settled. Like he had a really great end of the season for a, for about a full season though. We were like, this guy might be toast. And I think it was, I think in the front office, they were probably close to saying, yeah, I don't know if Montero's done enough to stick around. He kind of settled himself down and he might contribute more power. I think there's a bit of a, an addition by subtraction thing going on here though. They, the Rockies gave, 200 starts over 200 starts yeah to or games i'll just i i, I can't, it's hard to find date on who started um but harold castro jerks and profar appeared in a combined 210 games they gave them nine homers like there was no power production to be spoken of with those two guys especially harold castro uh, you're also maybe going to see a little less Alan Trejo, who we I, I like Trejo. I think he's a big leaguer, but he is not a consistent offensive power threat. Uh, you know, he left a, a bit to be desired on the offensive side. You're not going to see Jonathan Daza next year for the first like sixth or seventh of the season. He appeared in 24 games last year. He does not provide any power. Um, you know, you're not going to have CJ Crone had some some power last season, but also, it was kind of a down year by his standards on the power side. Giving those starts to someone else, you might get more. Uh, and then you also, kind of on the other side of this, though, you have Brennan Rogers, who's going to play a lot more. He's a 20-homer guy. Um, you mentioned a lot of, of other guys who could be 20-home run hitters. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe even Sean Bouchard is a 20-homer guy. I think next year, and, and, and I'm really just echoing what you said, next year is probably going to be a little bit of an uptick in power, but not – quite to what you you hope to see in 2025 2025 is where you hope the rockies are finally back to there's a, there's a 30 home run hitter and there's like 320 home run hitters and a few yeah. guys also in double digits this season we saw the the team lead was ryan mcmahon with 23 nolan jones just managed to get to 20 tovar had 15 elias diaz had 14 and then you had doyle crone Montero and Bryant, who barely cracked double digits for the Rockies. Better than it was actually in 2022, where I think mm -hmm. they only had like three or four guys with double-digit homers. But there's a lot of room to improve. So next season, I think you'll see a little bit of progress on that front. But it's going to require a Jordan Beck or a Yankeel Fernandez or eventually Zach Veen to click in that, that left field spot or somehow, some way. Though There's a lot of power-hitting prospects, so just got to hope they they figure things out yeah it's definitely it's it's there uh it's there because i think we predicted that how many people would actually have double digit home runs i think we are all like over under was five and a half i think most of us took the under uh, which we were wrong which was good so hopefully that just keeps going up uh there's two more questions they're kind of in the same vein uh from mcfly on instagram and uh, who asked who if anyone would like would would we like to see traded in pursuit of pitching and then Dari on the Twitter had a two-part question. We'll talk about the second part after the first part. Um, but with Amador being close, what do you think the corresponding move would be to give him reps, trading Rymac or letting B-Rod walk in free agency? Um, it's kind of a two-part question. I'll just let you handle this because it looks like you put some thought into it and I would just ramble. And I know we're time crunching. I'm at like 18% life <laughs> battery life. Uh, so you do your thing and then we'll end with Dari's first uh, part of that question and yeah. we'll call it a wrap. Try to give this, yeah, like five five or less minutes. We'll see if I can do that. Um, <laughs> I, I'll start off by saying I like that the Rockies usually don't turn to their prospect pool to make this happen. I think you could end up kind of just keeping yourself 
even more so in the same position. If you traded Zach Veen or Jordan Beck um, or multiple of these guys to try and go get a good pitcher, because chances are you're, that, that pitcher is not going to perform as expected. Like, yes, they, the Rockies should invest a little bit more into pitching, do some kinds of trades, but I, I like that they're holding their high-end prospects out for the most part. But I think with that said, and we've talked about this not directly, how many outfield bats there are. You have Veen, Yankeel Fernandez, Jordan Beck, Sterling Thompson technically counts into that. And then you also have your young duo of Nolan Jones and, and to an extent Brenton Doyle, who, who did at least earn himself more time on, on the MLB roster. You have so many guys in this outfield. And, and Benny Montgomery, too. Forgot about him. He's coming through. Don't Daniel Antonio in there, too. Maybe. But he. I just don't think he's fetching anything in a, in a trade. Like, those other guys, they're top Probably. 100, borderline top 100. You could trade one of them and get a mid-rotation starter. So, Probably. I mean, there's other. there are other guys, though. Like, even Sean Bouchard, who has built himself a fair amount of trade value. But he's also in the mix, even though he's not, like, a, a top prospect. Hunter Goodman, too. Same same deal. There's so many of these guys who they're going to contribute in that outfield. There's not enough space for nearly all of them. So the, the idea of trading one, I could get behind that. I don't want to trade two or three because then you're back to, again, like now these guys have to click uh, because we don't have the opportunities outside of that. Um, if they were to trade Jordan Beck, who I, he's one of my favorite prospects in the system and they trade him and go get a guy who is now their number two starter behind uh, Kyle Freeland. I think that'd be a pretty great idea. I think what everyone wants to hear, though, is Brendan Rodgers. I think that's sort of the, the logical move. He is not on an extension like Ryan McMahon, so it's an easier contract to trade. There's a lot of upside. He still shows, like, hey, I can hit the ball like 115 miles an hour like very few players can. Um, I want a gold glove at second base. Rodgers is a logical guy to dangle in a trade. The one issue I have with that is his value is is as low as it can really get. He That's, just yeah, had an injured season. Yeah. He didn't even he wasn't great offensively in 2022 when he was mostly healthy. So you'd be trading him I think well below his talent level like in terms of the value you'd get back. So that's why I prefer actually in this case the prospect route than Rodgers. I think you can cross the Rodgers bridge next season. Uh, I think you'd just be shooting yourself in the foot. You got to hope that Rodgers can put in a borderline all-star season. And then next year you have a, a good problem where you have Amador ready, completely ready. You have Rodgers, you have McMahon um, and, and anyone else who might be in, in the mix in the middle infield. So I think this year would be wise to take a small package of prospects and try to get a solid major league starter. Someone who can be the Rockies, like number two, number three, number four starter, uh, we, we all know they clearly, clearly need that. Yeah, and that would be kind of a refreshing thing to kind of add to what Billy Schmidt's trying to build up right now. It would be kind of nice like for that to happen because the Rockies don't do that. It's always try to hope that we have homegrown talent and then we add a free agent or two to eat up innings, kind of like what we talked about earlier. So why not do something different to add to this rotation that would be viable, like knowing what you're going to get with some guys that you don't know what you're going to get. We love prospects and that's what we do here, but there is something that there is value in that from a business standpoint that probably needs to start happening a little bit. Uh, I, I do you think they do it. I personally don't think they make a prospect trade this year. I don't see it happening. 
Uh, what yeah, do you think? Unlikely. I think it's more likely, though, this year than it has been at any point in the last, you know, five, ten years. I think they do realize we have a lot of guys. Yes. And we have a lot of needs. So I think there's going to – I mean, we saw last year, obviously, Bill was talking. Bill was making – was was trying to make trades, but didn't want to screw himself. Like, he traded Juan Brito last year. A different kind of trade. He didn't get a pitcher, but he traded Juan Brito, who – that's coming true. into the season would have That's been true. like a top 20 prospect. So I think there's some willingness. I don't think it happens, but I would not be surprised if it did. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, and I guess that's true, but Nolan Jones wasn't really major league now at that time. It, yeah. The, the a Rockies little, a didn't even bit. believe with him. So like he was major league ready, but not what the Rockies thought. Like just bringing in somebody that could slot in as the number two starter, like would be fantastic. Like, could you imagine? Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, we traded somebody and now we have a guy that we count on. Like Kyle Freeland's gonna give you, you know, solid starts every time he goes out. And so adding somebody right behind that would be awesome. Um, and then with my 10% left on my battery life, let's end it with Dari's question. The black vest. Uh, I just deleted the tweet. Um but she's like, why did we get rid of them? Where did they go? Do we see them again? I mean, they're iconic. They should be up constantly in this team store. Everybody should have one. As I speak, I don't have one, but I know James, <laughs> one of the one of the founding three, has a Tulo vest that he loves and adores. Uh like they're a top five jersey of all time of across all the boards. I mean, yeah, I think it's the most iconic. At least modern Rockies jersey. I know that they had some in the '90s that were pretty, pretty snazzy too. But the black vest, I, I, I guess there are some kinds of rules on how many jerseys you can have and stuff. I think that's silly. Like, why not have those specialty jerseys that you can bring out for like five games out of the year? Even like, if we got to see black vests five times in a season, it'd be like, okay, I feel like this is still Rockies baseball because yeah, growing give up, give me the black vest over the city. Play, Oh, oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the city connects are. I like that they're not the basic, you know, purple pinstripe, white home uni, or the the grays. I like that they're not that, but also the black vests were like super cool. And and with that, I didn't mean to cut you off. My whole thing was a little laggy there, um, but Dari actually emailed Dick Monfort and. Uh, he responded and said that they are working on something in the works. I'll try to get the, a picture of the email out later on, on the BSV account, but there might be, might be coming back to kind of what we were saying. Like you just said five times a year. Absolutely. Like the Philadelphia Eagles had that Hunter green Jersey last night with the old school Eagle. That was, that was sick. So like, could the Rockies do that with these black vests and nobody's going to be mad. Not one person in Colorado Rockies amazing. history is going to be bad. So maybe Dick is listening to us a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. He still hasn't responded to my email about coming on the pod, but that'd be fantastic. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mister Mister Dick, if you are listening, holler. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm about to die, so we're gonna crash. We're gonna crash uh, the party now. In the party now. Thank you for listening. Blake's your banter. We are here. We will be back in and out. Keep being patient with us. We'll keep trying to do what we can, and um, go rocks. Woo!